and welcome to The Secret Chord. The Secret Chord is a weekly podcast that explores spirituality through the lens of great music. Each week, we select different artists and delve into their work to unpack the hidden and sometimes overt transcendent richness of their sound and words. And without further ado, please enjoy this podcast. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Secret Chord. This is episode number 43, and we're here to discuss the music of the godfather of soul, Mr. James Brown. So, a bit about him. James Joseph Brown was born May 3rd, 1933, in Barnwell, South Carolina. He was a singer, songwriter, dancer, musician, record producer, and bandleader. He was a progenitor of funk music and a major figure of 20th century music and dance. He's often referred to by the honorific nicknames, like I said, Godfather of Soul, Mr. Dynamite, and Soul Brother Number One. In a career that lasted over 50 years, he influenced the development of several important musical genres, including jazz, soul, funk, and rock. Now, James had a hard upbringing and was actually abandoned by his mother at age four. Two years later, he was taken by his father to Augusta, Georgia, where he lived in a brothel run by his great aunt. He earned his keep by doing chores and dancing for change from passing troop convoys from nearby Fort Gordon. At 15, he was arrested for breaking into cars and was sentenced to three and a half years at the Georgia Juvenile Training Institute. During a baseball game between inmates and local players, James met a gospel singer named Bobby Bird, whose family agreed to take him in and to help him find a job to secure his release from reform school. James began performing with Bobby's gospel group and got a job at a local garage. James and Bobby formed a friendship and professional relationship that would last for the next 50 years, and Bobby appears on many of James's albums. He's also a great singer in his own right. All told, James Brown recorded 17 singles that reached number one on the Billboard R&B charts. He also holds the record for the most singles listed on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, which did not reach number one. James was inducted into the first class of the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in 2013 as an artist and then in 2017 as a songwriter. He also received honors from many other institutions, including inductions into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Songwriters Hall of Fame. In Joel Whitburn's analysis of the R&B charts from 1942 to 2010, James was ranked number one in the top 500 artists. He also ranked number seven on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. James Brown was a -a one-of-a-kind musical talent, but much of his story has to do with his drive and his discipline as an artist, his inexhaustible power to reinvent himself, and his indelible impact on other performers and pop music of many varieties. Performers as varied as Mick Jagger, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, and Public Enemy were influenced by his musicality and unique style. As Little Richard once said, he was an innovator, he was an emancipator, he was an originator. Rap music, all that stuff came from James Brown. So let's hear a classic song from him, This is called It's a Man's 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 World. And it was a song written by James and his girlfriend at the time, Betty Jean Newsom. 
James recorded it on February 16, 1966, in a New York City studio and released it as a single later that year. It reached number one on the Billboard R&B chart and number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. Its title is a wordplay on the 1963 comedy film It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And in 2004, It's a Man's, Man's, Man's World was ranked number 123 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. This is It's a Man's, Man's, Man's World by the great James Brown. What a fantastic tune. This is a slow, simmering groove in 6-8 time with an effective use of strings that almost sounds like a film score. The guitar punctuations by Billy Butler are really great here too, but it's James's vocals that carry the tune. He has a perfect voice for this, intense, sultry, bluesy, and his periodic piercing screaming is done so well. You can hear the antecedents of people like Prince, Michael Jackson, and many others in there. So James was already doing well on his way to earning the nickname as the hardest working man in show business. 
with dazzling live shows marked by spectacular sets and costumes, and even more spectacular moves from the pompadour to singer. On stage, James was a whirl of sweat, sound, and energy, his feet slipping and sliding in circles before his whole body dropped down into splits and bounced back up again. He was an amazing, amazing performer. If you've never seen him, go to YouTube, check him out. He's one of the all-time greats. In terms of the lyrics, they're about man's mastery of creation from biblical times forward. He mentions the car, the train, the boat. He says, like, Noah made the ark and the electric light. But then he goes on to say that it would all mean nothing without a woman or a girl. Well, this got me thinking about the Kabbalistic concept of Hachma and Bina. Hachma energy is generally associated with masculine energy and is a force of raw material, that which is waiting to be used, while Bina, the feminine energy, is that force which takes the Hachma energy and builds it into something practical, something usable. So whereas Hachma might be likened to water, Bina is likened to pipes, the control and harnessing of the water. So while I doubt very much that he intended any of that, but it does happen to work from a spiritual vantage point that the world does indeed mean nothing without the effects of the feminine archetype known as Bina. So as this is a podcast about music and spirituality, I figured I would delve into James's own spirituality. He said once, I'm glad God has enlightened me as I go. I've been one chosen by God to go through the world. Of the well-known top five men in the world, I'm somewhere in that number. 80% of music today has the style of James Brown, not Mozart, Schubert, or Beethoven, or Brahms. This is during an interview, and the interviewer asked him, you put yourself in that same category? And James says, no, whatever category God puts me in. They're musical geniuses. Thank God for people who can use their influence for the betterment of society and humanity. And that's what I'm about. I've never forgotten where I came from or what I've come from. I realize my popularity is from God. I pray three and four times a day. God showed me how to sing soul and to make people feel good. I play music to excite people, get them involved, and make them happy. That's pretty cool. And though we're going to point out some spiritual contradictions in James's life in just a minute, let's hear a tune that I think expresses how he feels here, talking about being on an elevated plane of reality. This is a song called Standing on Higher Ground by the great James Brown.
Another fantastic tune. And despite the fact that this tune was released much later in James's career, 1991, it has most of the classic elements of his music, the funky bass, the tight horn section, and his still great raspy, muddy vocals. It also has an overt spiritual theme in this case. He says, Now that we've come to a place we can only grow... Let's keep our higher ground so we all will know. It's like the good book said, you must reap what you sow. Good will prevail, evil must go. So here's the question. James obviously came from a tough background, and it had a profound effect on his behavior. He struggled with drug use, he was arrested on firearms charges several times, and arrested for domestic abuse. And all that doesn't sound too spiritual, does it? So how do we reconcile that? Here's a guy who humbly attributes his whole success to the Almighty and just wants to make people happy, and then turns around and does all of these immoral things. So, this is an obvious point, but one that needs to be considered carefully. A human being is, by definition, a walking contradiction. One minute we have lofty and beautiful thoughts and do selfless, transcendent things, and the next we are petty, nasty, and inexplicably hurtful. How do we explain the universal schizophrenia that we all have to one degree or another? Now, according to classical theism, a human being is a dual entity, one that has a physical component, a body, and a metaphysical component, a soul. The body, being a product of the physical world and subject to the laws of physics, tends, like lightning, to look for the path of least resistance, for that which is easiest, quickest, and most self-serving. It's the body that is responsible for all of our negative traits and behaviors. But it's important to note that it's also not really who we are. We are a soul wrapped in a body and temporarily and artificially stuck in a plane of existence in which we really don't belong. We are, in actuality, spiritual beings from a spiritual world, as strange as that might seem. So I've struggled for a long time to try and process this dichotomy in musicians. How could someone like Miles Davis, 
who played with extreme sublimity and sensitivity be the same guy who used a certain curse word hundreds of times in his autobiography while repeatedly insulting fellow musicians, women, and people of other ethnic backgrounds. It didn't add up. But in the scenario I've outlined, it does. Musician Miles is a reflection of his true essence, his soul. The other aspects of him were outgrowths of his physical being. So if somebody has a desire to develop spiritually, it's important to draw distinctions between these two aspects that we all have and to consciously choose to identify with the soul. If you do say or think something that is beneath who you really are, you should say to yourself, that's not really me, that's my body. This doesn't mean that you don't have to take responsibility for improper behavior. You do. But you should in no way come to identify with the behavior or think that it has anything to do with who you really are. Focusing on this strengthens the influence of the soul and elevates the person as a whole. So while James Brown had his issues, it's not a contradiction for him to sing that he's standing on higher ground. Indeed, he really was. His truest essence, at least. And in so doing, he succeeded in doing what he most wanted, to bring happiness to humanity. Those are my thoughts about the great James Brown and his spirituality. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And like always, we'll be back next time with more music and more ideas. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Please consider leaving a comment or a review to help us spread the word. And please subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. To support us, please visit our Patreon accounts. And if you'd like to communicate with me directly, please feel free to email me at ajacobs at h.com. The Secret Chord is produced and engineered by Naor Cohen. <laughs>